Hey, Fight Fans, welcome to episode 148 of the Fight Library. I am your host, and today I'm joined by the boys, Jake and Austin. They are back, and, well, Austin's back. Jake's coming on for the first time. Today we are discussing the Nittany Lion Wrestling Club. I've had a hard time saying that, by the way. Um, The NLWC Rockfin card. So we got some more wrestling for you guys today. Um, we dive into each or most of the matches, and you know, Jake gives some really great insight, and Austin, as usual, awesome insight as well. And me, I don't know what I'm talking about. Just kidding. I'm actually enjoying wrestling. It's awesome, and you guys know it is. You're just hating. Anyways, guys, so uh, without further ado, Austin and Jake for the Nittany Lion Wrestling Club Rockin' Hard. Boom, we are back live for more wrestling. I'm joined today by newcomer Jake Affariot, another Bajrang boy, and returning for the show is Austin Early. Jake, Austin, my good friends, how are you? I'm doing well. A little swamped with homework, being a college student, but it is what it is. What's more fun than doing homework and podcasts in between? I mean, come on, bro. For sure. <laughs> Austin, how are you, brother? Is Austin dead? Austin, we can't hear you. We'll wait on him to get back. Um, so today's show, we are um, we are talking and wrestling club Rockfin event. It was the first of a kind, and it went pretty well. Uh, I, I really enjoyed I, I watched it after the fact. Jake and Austin watched it live, I'm assuming. Um, so they'll be able to I, watch I watched it after the fact. But... Oh, okay. Well, Jake, did you watch it live? I did. Okay, so... And I have Jake not was... watched it since, so... <laughs> That's all good. So we're talking about... Club. It had big names on it, like Zane Richardson, Kyle Snyder, Bo Nickel. Uh, just... I'm sorry? His so, kid's name is Zane Rutherford. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so we had a bunch of big stars on it, and especially in the uh, wrestling community. So it was fun. I enjoyed it. So what was you guys, what was y'all's takeaway on the event itself? Uh, well, I mean, I mean, maybe like it was foolish for anybody to potentially bet against the house, but I mean, wrestlers yeah. in the NLWC took nine out of the 13 bouts. Um, I thought... Obviously, I know there was a lot of controversy with the main event between Bo Nickel and Alex oh. Steringer. Um, you know, I, I thought Zane wrestled pretty well. I mean, I think that was, what, a 3-2 final score? Yes. Um, and I know a lot of people said that, you know, they were – I don't know if unimpressed is the wrong word because obviously anytime Zane wrestles, it's pretty impressive. But just I guess that they were surprised at how close it was. Um but, I mean, listen, Zane Rutherford was one of the best wrestlers in college, maybe one of the best college wrestlers ever, um, and he's had success on the freestyle stage. This was one event, and these guys, you know, haven't been wrestling in quite a while. I mean, for guys like Vincenzo and whatever, I mean, they haven't wrestled 
competitively probably since March at the Big Ten tournament. And for the freestyle guys in the room, I mean, I don't even know when. The, I mean, I guess Zane would have been similar because he went to Pan Ams with David Taylor. But, you know, I think a lot of these guys, you know, it, whatever rust was there, certainly they worked it off pretty quickly. But, yeah, I mean, again, I think big takeaways for me at least were that Bo Nickel and Alex Deringer was a pretty good match. You uh, see Zane wrestled well. And actually, uh, Greg Kirkley, the young upstart heavyweight for Penn State, could be a force on the scene for quite a while based on him <clears throat> shutting out pecking Yusuf Amida. Awesome. What was your takeaway from the card, man? I thought it was uh, really well ran. Um, I heard the pacing was great live. I just watched the matches themselves. Um, thing, sure. So, um, but yeah, I, I, again, I thought there were some good matches, good matchups, a few surprises. Good event overall. Yeah, one thing I got from this card was it's fresh to have a new face in the game, um, giving the power to the the wrestling club itself instead of putting it in the hands of other unmentionable people. Um, Rockfin did a good job. It was a Rockfin-produced thing. They did a good job producing this card, and I feel like um, that Rockfin has a really big future in giving power to the creators. It's something, as a Rockfin member myself, full disclosure, um, as a Rockfin member myself, uh, that's something that they, they, they really harped on is giving power to the creators. Uh, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to dive into a couple matches here. Um, Jennifer Page was down pretty big, if I remember correctly. She had 14 unanswered points. One thing I really liked is they showcased two women's bouts, and they weren't just like uh, token women's bouts. They were like really high level, and that's something I liked uh, seeing about that. What did you guys think about Page and the, uh, the other women's bout? Yeah, I thought the two women's bouts were, I think, maybe the most competitive and the most impressive uh, of the 13 bouts that were there. Um, I mean, again, I, I'm admittedly not like a wrestling nut when it comes to technique and everything and like moves, but I know good wrestling when I see it. And that was beyond good wrestling. I mean, that was great wrestling at, you know, one of the highest levels. So, you know, I don't think anybody should be surprised that, you know, there was a ton of offense or that either Jennifer Page or uh, I'm trying to remember who she went up against. Uh, sorry, my apologies. That's okay. Um, but uh, yeah, Desiree Zavala, like, I mean, you know, there were 24 total points in that match. I mean, I don't think any of the other matches even came close to that in terms of points scored. So again, like they're both outstanding wrestlers clearly. And I don't think anybody should really be surprised. And, you know, the second women's bout of the night, which was Julia Salata against Jane Valencia. Um, I mean, again, that also, you know, I think was a really exciting bout. Valencia jumped out to an early 4-0 lead after the first, and then Salata scored six unanswered. But Valencia won on criteria after securing a pushout as time expired. And, like, we've obviously debated about the merits of criteria and everything like that. But, I mean, still to, you know, be up so big, then give up a lead, and then be able to close things out, I think, is equally as impressive. So I thought those women's bouts, I thought, definitely, uh, you know, gave fans bang for their buck. I think that both women's bouts especially showed 
how great freestyle can be in the sense that, you know, I can be down six, eight, nine points, and I'm not out of the match yet. You know? Right, right. Very true. All it takes is a takedown and a sequence of turns, and I'm back in this thing. You know, or a couple takedowns, and, and, uh, you know, you don't see that a lot at the collegiate level because guys are so good at hanging on to those leads and, you know, with riding time and things like that, you know, you're, you kind of can like preserve a lead, but in freestyle, you have to keep wrestling and you have to almost keep attacking, you know, you can't let off the gas at the last minute. Julia, um, realized that, you know, she gave up that push out, like Jake said, at the last second and, you know, it, it, it just makes for good wrestling, makes for good, um, good viewership like for the fans you know i agree i think i think the women was just like i said high high level um moving on zane rutherford almost lost uh you know alex i think he had a one nothing lead um if correct me if i'm wrong it was a one nothing lead alex had a takedown got two points uh and then or something like that and then zane had to come back with like 30 seconds left and i think it was a push out that got him the win um I don't know if that's a knock on Zane or if it's a uh, if it's a, a nod towards Alex as as far as wrestling skills. Zane's great. We know Zane's great. I, I, I tend to lean to to Alex uh, Pantaleo or Tantello um, being better than what people gave him credit for. And I you know I tip my hat to him. What did you guys think about that match? Um, yeah, I mean I think that's. I mean to say that he's better than people give him credit for. I mean it's I think it's hard to underrated kid who was a three-time All-American at, you know, one of the sort of maybe second or third most preeminent wrestling power in the Big Ten and the best conference in college wrestling. But I think sort of to Austin's point that there is such sort of a marked difference between folk style and freestyle that I don't know if people had really seen Pantaleo on the freestyle stage as much. And so that's what I think could lead people to be surprised more so than this than if this were like a folk style event, let's say. What about you all? I said, I, I mean, I knew, I said it on my show that Pantelio would be able to keep it close and might be able to steal one. That's just. You did say that was the upset alert, huh? I did. And I just, I, because Alec is fucking good, man. Like he is a legitimate contender at that weight in my eyes. And, you know, he can keep it close, make a couple adjustments here and there, and we're talking about a big win over, you know, the top guy at 65 kilos right now. Yep, you're absolutely right. Moving on down the card a little bit, Thomas Gilman and uh, Darian Cruz. It, the first period was kind of like, okay, this is a pretty pretty good chess match. And then all of a sudden, Gilman comes alive in the second period and just – puts it on Cruz. Were you impressed by uh by Thomas Gilman and uh his match with Cruz? Yeah, I mean listen, it was Gilman's first event with the NLWC after leaving Iowa about what, probably six or eight weeks ago now, maybe even a little more, give or take. Um Yeah. But yeah, I, I mean I thought certainly, you know, he looked impressive. I mean, I think one thing that, you know, some of us were saying at the time was that I mean it sort of looked like he had just worn Darian down up to a point and that, you know, Darian was sort of running out of gas. Um, yeah. Now, I mean, obviously, again, both guys, great wrestlers, you know, Cruz national champion, the year Penn State crowned five. So, you know, he's certainly 
got accolades and Gilman obviously has a world silver medal, but um, I mean, I think like I, I, what I think it does more than anything is I think it gives Penn state a lightweight in that room that can compete consistently on the world and potentially on the Olympic stage, which whether you want to say directly or tangentially is then going to help the dual meet team because Penn state hasn't had a real quality 25 pounder in a long time. So, you know, like I think that's going to be one of these residual effects that, okay, now you've got a guy like Thomas Gilman in the room, Iowa and Penn State being the fierce rivals they are, not knowing how he'd go out and perform, and then to do something like that, like that's I think that validates Gilman's decision to come here and validates you know Kale or whomever's decision to potentially recruit him to come here. So I, I just I thought it was an impressive showing by him. I'm not sure the result would have been any different if he was at Nittany Lion or if he was at Hawkeye. Just to be honest. Yeah, no, no, no. And I I'm feel not like saying it necessarily is, but I'm saying. Oh, I, I, I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm just kind of throwing yeah. it out there that he is just that dude. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He is, he's always got that second gear, always pushes the pace, always um, is in your face. That's just that Iowa style. Not much is going to change in that six to eight week period for him. I've heard that he is one of the most disciplined guys with his weight. Um, I've also heard that, you know, he is just laser focused all the time, which I think we all know that anyway. But, you know, the way he went out there, again, hit that second gear and was able to really take control of the match. I'm not sure it would even been that much different if Cruz was in shape. And I'm not even sure Cruz was out of shape, but he looked like it near the end. But, um, again, just – and I think another thing that plays into that is that Cruz matchup with him where he has to feel some sort of animosity towards him for beating him in the semis his senior year at the NCAA tournament. And he went out that next year at the U.S. Open, that same year that he got beat, beat him there too. I think it's always going to be a match that he kind of gets up for because he wants to prove to everybody that he is better than Darian Cruz. And I think he has proved it once again. Our buddy Ed Gallo wrote that article, by the way. Who did? Ed Gallo. Oh, Eduardo, our favorite. Ed, what a guy. (laughs) Oh, Ed, I love him. He's been on this podcast before, too. Anyways, I'm going to move on. we got two more bouts I really want to talk about here. Um, Kyle Snyder came out and pretty much proved to everybody that, yes, he is, in fact, still a beast. I mean... Um, he, he took on Mike Machiavelli, uh, Machiavelli, um, tacked him 10, nothing, shut him out. Uh, I, I couldn't remember, 12 nothing, but was that, I said, I think it was 12, nothing, but it doesn't really matter. He, yeah, it was still dominant. It, yes. It was a dominant. Mike had nothing going for him here. And when I think he finished in the second period, if I'm not mistaken, um, when Snyder came out in the second period and was like, all right, it's time to, time to, uh, go home, I'm done here, and he just came out like a bat out of hell and just forced a takedown and a push out and got himself two points to tie up for the win. And, you know, Kyle Snyder's just a monster even now still, and I think he's, uh, he's really primed to do well in Tokyo. What are your thoughts on uh, Kyle Snyder's performance? Yeah, I mean, I think you summed it up pretty well. Uh, I mean, to, I mean I, again, like 
you know, Austin is certainly more in touch with a lot of this stuff than I am, but I would assume that he's got to be one of the preeminent favorites at his weight class heading into the Olympics. And I think that this sort of just further solidified that. I mean, I don't, again, like not being, you know, the most technically aware person who covers wrestling, you know, I don't know that I can comment on everything, but like I said, I know great wrestling when I see it. And that was certainly, I think, one of the best displays of the night. Did we lose Austin again? We did lose Austin. We'll, we'll let him come up back around that later. Um, we will dive into the main event while Austin kind of um, figures out his internet situation there. He'll just yell, I'm back, when he gets back. Anyway, so main event, Bo Nickel. Everybody loves Bo Nickel and the uh, Okie State, Alex Derringer. Um, Alex lost his spot on the world team to Kyle Dake uh, last year after Dake's injury layoff, and he comes back. Um, he's wrestled since then, but he comes back and he takes on another very tough Bo Nickel. Um, Nickel won on criteria, which had some people kind of like, eh, come on, you know, people want to see more of a banger of a match, and especially in these kind of um, one-off tournaments and stuff. What did you think about Bo Nickel and Ringer, man? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was, again, like I think, again, I haven't watched, I haven't gone back and watched any of the matches since, but I mean, memory serves you know, Deeringer was sort of more on the offensive for, you know, most of that bout. And, you know, people were sort of decrying criteria, saying how can you, you know, not award the guy who was more on the offensive with the win. Um, and I think that that's sort of more an indictment on the freestyle rules than anything else, rather than an indictment on either of these guys wrestling. But, I mean... Again, they've just both got like incredible accolades, and I don't know if we were going to get into it, but you know, obviously now with the news that it seems like Bo Nickel is going to try for the 86 kilogram spot on the Olympic team and potentially go up against David Taylor, um, you know, this bout being at 190 pounds, I think was a good primer. Yeah, for that because I, I'm sure Deeringer, you know, is probably going to be one of the guys who he's going to have to go up against in that quest to try to become an Olympian potentially. So I, you know, I think it was a good litmus test. And I think, you know, when the next NLWC event comes around that Bo's going to hopefully try to get to the offense a bit more. Austin circle back on Kyle Snyder and then hit us with your Bo nickel. Yeah. I don't know what's happening. I, I keep getting like cut off. <clears throat> um, <laughs> That's okay. So yeah, Kyle Snyder, man, is Kyle Snyder. And he looked like Kyle Snyder. He looked like a world champ. Um, I mean, what more can you Kyle say? Kyle Snyder, you said, you, let me repeat that sentence to you. Kyle Snyder is Kyle Snyder, and he looked like a world Kyle Snyder. Yeah, he looked like Kyle Snyder, man. He looked like a world champ. I mean, he looked like the <laughs> Kyle Snyder that, you know, we were accustomed to attacking. And there you go. Not that he slowed down on that, but I think some of the criticism against him has always been, especially like Sajlai have said it too. Um, that he lifts too much, not limber enough, can't get it, you know, can't really win in some of these wrestling positions. But um, I, I am excited to watch him and Cox. That's for sure. I, I cannot yeah. wait. I, <laughs> yes, I am. I, I still think Cox is going to win that match. But if you have a hyper focused Kyle Snyder and a hyper-focused Jaden Cox. You're talking about an Olympic gold medal match, possibly. 
Yeah, absolutely. Before the Olympics. And it, it's just so crazy to think about that one of those dudes is going to have to stay home. You know what I mean? That's insane. Yeah, um, you're absolutely right. And then kind of circling to the Bo Ringer match. I mean, it's a 1-1 match. There's not a lot to say. Um, it, it sucks that, you know, it is the way freestyle is and you have those um, sort of kind of stinger matches, those 2-2 two -two types of matches. Um, but this was a 1-1, which is even more rare. Uh, I was hoping to see more offense. Um, but, you know, it's an exhibition. It doesn't matter. Um, and again, 86 kilos, that's interesting as far as um, Bo's concerned, you know, could we have another um, Tony Ramos, Dan Dennis situation like we did in 2016? I guess we'll have to see, you know. Um, and for you non-wrestling fans, um, Ramos and Dennis both wrestled for Iowa. They met in the Olympic trials finals, caused a big stir. Tony Ramos left Hawkeye Wrestling Club after he lost. Um, do I see something like that happening here? Probably not. I think that, you know, after Bo loses to Taylor, he'll well, probably I, just move on to MMA and get on with his life. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, I think that's an important point, Austin, that is that, I mean, Bo has said basically, regardless of what happens in 2020, that he is going to go to MMA, like after the Olympics. So I don't know that, I, I don't think it's fair to say that there will be like no love lost or anything like that, because obviously Bo clearly cares about wrestling and is, has made it his life up to this point. But I don't know that it'll necessarily as big a deal for Bo as it was with Tony Ramos and Dan Dennis for that reason. Well, I think the biggest thing back in 2016 was like the coach betrayal feeling that Tony felt. Yeah. I'm not sure that'll happen. <clears throat> um, you know, it, again, it's just like a, like I said, 2016 was just like a coaching thing more so than like a teammate thing. And I think Kale and Co will already have kind of settled by then and, and uh, hope that, you know, no feelings are hurt, I guess. And I really don't see that happening between those two again, like I said. So, Yeah, and I mean, like, I again, I don't know the sort of the intimate details of Iowa's situation in the Hawkeye Wrestling Club. But, so, you know, I don't know how involved Tom and Terry are with the Hawkeye Wrestling Club. But, I mean, you know, there are coaches at the NLWC who, you know, never corner the guys come dual meet or NCAA tournament season. And yet, you know, Kale, Varner, Casey Cunningham, Cody Sanderson will corner these guys at freestyle events and with the NLWC. So I think that there's just more coaches sort of at these guys' disposal, whether it's Mark McKnight, whether it's Aaron you know, Jake Varner. So I, I think, you know, like Austin said, I think that that's probably a pretty safe bet that knowing Kale and the type of ship he runs and the type of program he runs, that they'll have this stuff sort of all sorted out. All right, so last thing i want to get into is uh the the note that i sent you guys literally says boo no greco which i mean it's nitley ryan less i can't say that nitney lion wrestling club um but i don't like to see some greco on this what about you guys oh yeah absolutely you know i'm a big greco guy i i, I love this that style of wrestling it's probably the style that i was best at i i just i've always loved it and i always want to watch it i think you know, they could have gotten somebody in there, but, you know, I know how it is. It's it's one of those things, you know, it sucks, but I think I'll start complaining a little bit more if it's we go into the second card and there isn't any. 
Yeah, I mean, I again, like, I don't know a ton about Greco, but I do know Blaine that one of your former guests uh, was a member of the NLWC up until fairly recently, and Ben Provisor, and he mm-hmm. was a Greco guy. Um, and you know, so I obviously I don't know what he's up to now, but um, I mean, I think that they sort of. I don't know what the right, right way to phrase this is, but I'm not going to say hold on, hold on, any hold on. Repeats. I think I messed up. Hold on. I know fuck all about Greco-Roman wrestling, admittedly. It is one of my blind spots when it comes to covering the sport. But I think given what has happened in the past however many months with certain freestyle events that have been put on, I thought addressing women's wrestling and getting high-quality women's matches on there. I don't know if it's fair to say it's more important than Greco because obviously in an ideal world, you'd like to address and represent all three styles equally. But, you know, if that's a, and again, I don't even want to call it a concession because that's not fair to Jane Valencia and, you know, Desiree Zavala and Julia Salata and Jennifer Page and the work that they put in. But, you know, I thought it was of the utmost importance that women be included in the card. And if it, you know, so I, I don't know that it's as big of a deal this time. I mean, again, I think to Austin's point, if you include Greco, if you don't include Greco in the next card, then it sort of seems like an oversight and kind of like, you know, like why did that happen? But for the first card, I don't think it was as big of a deal necessarily. Yeah, I I don't see them doing that again, just because they have, um, they've recruited Greco heavy guys. Um, like those, Mason yeah, the Manvilles, man, they're they're big Greco guys. They had Provisor in there. I don't think that they poo-poo it at all, and they will. They'll, I think they'll get it. I think maybe you know sometimes getting those matches together isn't always easy, and you know I think it's easy for us to sit there and play matchmaker, but you know, at the end, at, yeah, it's easy yeah. for us to be armchair quarterbacks. Right. And at the end of the day, it's still you know we got to get the matches we can get. And, um, wrestling coaches. Yep. Yeah. So here, here's my take on it. Um, yeah, I'm 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 partial to Greco instead of freestyle, even though freestyle is very fun. Um, but what I'm seeing is keep it simple, stupid. Uh, it's just a big like selling thing, and they're trying to sell this Rockfin card, and they were very very successful. Um, they they doubled the amount of subscribers on Rockfin with this one card. So. They don't really, I, I feel like they didn't want to complicate it while they're not like against wrestling. Freestyles was popular. Um, and I feel like they kept it popular for the first card mm-hmm. at least because they're just like, oh, we just need as many people to tune in as possible. And they, eventually they'll start stepping into the, uh, the Greco, you know, mat. And maybe even after that, you know, you'll have a full Greco card or something crazy. You know, with this Rockfin thing, anything's possible. Absolutely. Uh, as long as long as people are watching, you know what I mean. Absolutely. So what? Yeah, I mean, go ahead, Jake. you know, again, it's like kind of a chicken or the egg type thing. I mean, and again, like Blaine and Austin, you guys being more Greco oriented, I guess, have a better feel for this. But I mean, it's like you know, the biggest names in Greco, and even like B or B minus level guys in freestyle, like. I would assume that the B or B minus level guys in freestyle will probably draw more fans in than, you know, some of the top tier Greco wrestlers, you know, as much of a shame as that might be. 
and as much as that perhaps shouldn't be the case. So I, I just think, you know, Blaine, to your point, like they wanted to make sure that the first product sort of was a good proof of concept and the best proof of concept that it could be. And then, you know, maybe they'll start experimenting. I, uh, I don't disagree with you um, at all. And, but at the same time, you know, the reason why Greco athletes aren't as popular is because they have to specialize just a little bit earlier. You know, mm-hmm. like, yeah. like a lot of our top guys, Giangelo Hancock, Kamal Bay, those guys didn't even wrestle folk style in college. They said, we're going to go wrestle Greco now after high school. And they, and so they have kind of been out of the public eye in that way. And so they haven't had the exposure that those college guys have had that have built that fan base, you know, where they can have a team connected to them in that fan base. So it's just, um, it is a shame. And, and, uh, you know, but like I said, on the first episode of my podcast, you know, when I was talking about women's wrestling, exposure helps growth. And the more we can expose the second, whatever we want to call them, the second tier um, athletes as far as fan interest, like that is women's freestyle and reco, the more interest they will gain because we can build storylines. We can, you know, put on great shows. I mean, look at the um, the wrestling underground card. That match was great. Some people thought it was fake. It's whatever, you know. Um, <laughs> but you know, when there's nothing on the line, some dudes will get after it, and I think that's that's important. So what would y'all like to see next on the next Nitlu Line Wrestling Club Rockfin card? Uh, I would like to see David Taylor on it. Ooh. Maybe that's just me because he was – He, I mean, I thought he did a good job commentating with Jeff Byers. Uh, it, I don't know, Blaine, how many of your listeners are going to be Penn State wrestling fans, but Jeff Byers is a legend in these parts and has been the voice of Penn State wrestling for many, many years and does an excellent job calling dual meets on the radio. Um so I'd like to see DT on the card. Um, I think I'd probably, I'm trying to think who else. Yeah. I think David would probably be the biggest name that I'd want to see. Um, personally, I want to see a Jaden Cox and not even against Snyder. I just want to see him wrestle. Um, <laughs> I want to see, you know, a Sarah Hildebrandt. I want to see an Adeline Gray. I want to see Kamal Bay and Jean-Angelo Hancock. I want to see Ben Provisor. I want to see these guys. You know, I want to see yeah. as far as freestyle, men's freestyle guys. Um, I'd really like to see if they could poke the bear and maybe get like an Aaron Pico or somebody like that to mm. kind of step back in. Um, and yeah, I mean, they did that with Rich Durso and Rich Durso came out and shocked the world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I think that's one thing that Wrestling Underground had uh, a good idea with getting Dar- Duran Wynn back onto you know mm-hmm. wrestling and all that. I and mean, Flo, these guys, there's and Flo did it too with uh, Darian yeah. Caldwell. Yeah, they did. They did. I'll give them that. Give me Phil Davis. Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> give me why don't they or Edward Henry Cejudo. Yeah, absolutely. He <laughs> Henry wrestled not that long ago, a few years back against yep. Tony Ramos in a duel in a duel meet. DC still coaching wrestling. DC can Yeah, I, I think yeah. Get, get these old guys out there. I want to see them. Do legends matches. You're yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Watch DC and get some of these coaches too. I said that yeah. on one of my episodes too. It's like get some of these coaches out here. You know? 
Absolutely. I'm about that all the way. So uh, I don't know if you'd ever get Kale back on the mat. I, but, uh, I wish he would, man. I yeah. wish he wouldn't have stopped. He, my he, guy, Kerry McCoy, though, out in California, two-time Olympian, heavyweight. Find him. Uh, Stephen Neal probably needs something to do. <laughs> yeah, that'd be dope. Jordan Burroughs. Um, Jordan Burroughs. I mean, again, like James Green, David McFadden, a lot of the guys at the Penn RTC now. Um, you know, I, so I think that there are a lot of big names. I mean, I think – so, like, I'm curious for you guys. So, you know, you said that you watched each of the matches individually. I mean, did you think that 13 bouts was too many, too little? Like, I think just it was just right. right. I think, I think it, it was the just way, right. The way that it was paced, it was probably just right live because it was just, like, what, under two mm-hmm. hours? That's perfect. Yeah. That's perfect, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a college dual meet takes probably just as long with an intermission. So, you know, I mean – Beautiful. Guys, I appreciate it. Yeah. It's time for me to go. I've got to go get orange juice from my – that's my uh, nighttime go-to-sleep juice. <laughs> so I've got to pick up some orange juice. Open, open. And I've got to go get chicken tendies. That's dope. Blaine, pulp or no pulp? In your uh, it doesn't matter. If it's in the fridge, I'm drinking it. <laughs> <laughs> pulp preferably, though. Pulp really? is always better. Yes, give me the grit. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Jake, where, where can everybody find you on the old social universe? Sure. So uh, my Twitter handle is my name. So it's at Jake underscore Ferriot, A-F-E-R-I-A-T, and then the number 51 on Twitter. And then on Instagram, it's just uh, Jake underscore Ferriot. Awesome. Uh, they can find me on Twitter at Air Early. You can find me on Instagram uh, at the same uh, also, I have a podcast. It's uh, Tell called, about it. It's called Changing Levels. We cover all sorts of wrestling stuff. It's out every Friday, and uh, you can follow that account on Twitter and Instagram at Changing Levels, and the levels is spelled L V L S. They might have a special guest on soon. Just saying. I'm just yeah. Oh, wink, wink, nod, nod. Guys, <laughs> I love you all, and uh, it's going to be. Really fun to see the future of Rockfin and what they can do for the wrestling and MMA and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and everything. Um, so I appreciate you guys coming on, and uh, y'all have a good one. Thanks, brother. Yeah. Take care. Go Tigers. Yeah. <laughs> Bye, y'all. Thank you to everyone who listened to this episode, and thanks to Austin and Jake to uh, come on the show and talk about wrestling. Have some more of the boys on. Shout out to the Bajrang boys. All right, so get at them on social media. They put some really good stuff out there. Uh, Austin's podcast is great. I was a guest on it. That episode is live today as well. Uh, I'm going to see about getting that on this show as well. That way I can have it all in one place. All right, guys, so social media, and then I'm out. Bye.